Welcome to the Rody Runback. I'm your host, Jeff Marone, and I have a great interview for you guys today with Lamont Thomas. He is a professional basketball player and entrepreneur, and I'm happy to bring to you an RI Sports Focus podcast. We're going to deep dive into our local, high school, college, and athletic programs across our great state of Rhode Island. Here we go. All right, welcome to the Rory Runback. I have a great interview for you guys today with Lamont Thomas. He is a professional basketball player and entrepreneur. Lamont is from Providence, Rhode Island. He played his basketball, his high school ball in Central, and we talk about his basketball career. He ended up playing Division Three basketball at Johnson Wells University here in Providence. And by his senior year, Lamont, his senior and junior year, Lamont was actually the leading scorer in the nation uh, for basketball, where he averaged about 30 points per game. And then also he is the fourth all-time leading scorer in Division Three basketball history as well, too. And now he's playing professional basketball overseas uh, and just been playing in Spain and Portugal and Qatar and uh, in Germany. So it was really cool to really hear his journey as well. And we also catch up with Lamont to see what he's been up to. Uh, these past years, uh, what kind of entrepreneurship he's been doing. So he's been doing some great things, has his own businesses, uh, has his own grain and protein bars called What the uh, Granola Bars, sorry, called What the Tef. So awesome interview with Lamont. But before we get into that episode, remember you guys can watch today's episode on YouTube. Just remember uh, remember to hit that like, share, and subscribe button there. But if you can't make it to YouTube, uh, listen to it here. Stay tuned here on the podcast. But just remember to hit that like share and subscribe button also feel free to give us a review definitely really appreciate that all right now for our interview with lamont thomas all right on today's show i welcome on a very special guest he is lamont thomas he is a professional basketball player and an entrepreneur lamont how you doing good good thank I, you for having me I'll, I'll, of course, I'm very excited to have you on the show. I always see you on social media. I see you in the news. I see you always doing these great things, all these entrepreneurial things as well, too. So it's awesome to have someone who gives back to the community and is doing great things in their life that, uh, you know, and just a basketball legend in the Rhode Island area and what you're doing overseas is awesome playing basketball. So just very excited to have you on the show. Appreciate it. Thank of, you. Of course, of course. Uh, before we talk about what you're up to nowadays, I want to talk a little bit about your past and like how... Uh, I think started with basketball. First of all, I want to know how you fell in love with the game of basketball. Um, I fell in love with the game of basketball. Like I lived in Wiggins Village, um, like a complex in Providence. Anton Gray, uh, also a legend who comes out of there. Daryl Taylor, like um, who really didn't get recognition. This is before like social media and stuff, but he was a really big point guard who played at Mount Pleasant um, for the Rhode Island Breakers as well. Um, so he came out of that housing complex as well. So I was like the young guy who played, we played on crates, you know what I mean? That's kind of how I got introduced to basketball, just playing on the crate, literally like 10 guys playing in the hustle, you know, and, um, just getting it out the mud. And that's kind of how I fell in love with the game, playing with older people and losing a lot. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, that's crazy. That's great that you were able to fall in love with the game like that. What was it like, too, to play with those older guys and learn from them and how that helped you? I was I was always super passionate. So when I got, like, introduced, obviously, like anybody else, I mean, you get, like, natural ability sometimes, but I wasn't, like, a tall kid. I was a small kid, um, skinny. So um, I didn't have, like, any natural ability. So it was just a lot of hard work. So just learning and playing from a lot of bigger guys just like always pushed me to want to get better, to always want to stay on the court. I remember like being at the Boys and Girls Club, Southside Boys and Girls Club, and um, there were times like I would sit at half court because I didn't get picked when it was time for like the teenagers to play and I was still like 12. And I was like, yeah, I'm not getting off the court. You know, like I deserve to be playing. So that was just like that that chip, I guess, I kind of always, always carry. Wow, that's that's crazy. That's a good way to have it, though. I mean, <laughs> I can imagine those. Uh, did you get in those games when you said a half court and said you yeah, wanted to I play? Mean, sometimes not the first one, but I sat around. And I got in, um, 
and then I shot the ball a lot. Like in my, in my younger days, I was like a crazy shooter. Put me in the corner. Older guys would like forget about me, think <laughs> I wouldn't do anything. You could just like pass me the ball. And that was the same thing I kind of carried on with even in high school a little bit, my freshman and sophomore year. Yeah, that's, that's that's awesome. And what was it like too? Because you played, uh, did you play at Central too during your high school career? I played at Central. I went to the Met High School, um, and then commuted to Central every day, um, to be there for practice and play. Um, but it was it was great at Central. Those guys were my brothers there. We had a great chemistry, a great culture. Um, rest in peace to Floyd Narcisse. He did an amazing job with us, trying to groom us, and we really didn't understand what was happening. Um, Obviously, like we wore ties. He wanted us wearing ties to the games and stuff like that. And we just thought like it was a joke. You know, a lot of guys didn't follow the rules. But now that I look back and now that we look back on it, we really understand what we were trying to do. But the central atmosphere was super competitive every single day, every single day. And um, a lot of talent, man, a lot of guys who could have had the potential to be playing college ball and pro. But um, at that time in Providence and in Rhode Island, the structure and really there weren't a lot of college guys playing to give back like there is now. So, um, but yeah, it was a great experience at Central. Yeah, yeah. That, and I love that too, that you mentioned that. We'll definitely talk about the giving back. I just love seeing that from the, the guys who play now and the college guys and what you guys do for the community as well too. It's awesome. But you know, when you when you played at Central, coming out of Central, you had no offers. How did you end up decided to go to JWU to play basketball? Um, so I, I scored a thousand points at Central, um, but I didn't really have like any college offers. We didn't really know the steps to even play in college basketball. Yeah. Um, and I kind of see it going on with a lot of kids still these days. They just don't know the steps. So I had like I went to a showcase or two. I remember like a prep school wanting me. Um, but my mom wasn't really, or oh, didn't understand. My mom comes from Liberia, you know, she was like education first, school, grades, 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 you know, like I fell in love with sports. So the prep school thing, paying for school, the extra couple of dollars she wasn't really into. And then um, I was supposed to go to the College of Mount St. Vincent in New York. That was a division three school. And um, the coach got fired like right before the recruiting process, oh, wow. right before um, I was gonna go to school. So I really didn't have a plan. I made the Rhode Island Interscholastic League All-Star game. And um, I played in that game, Jamie Benton, shout out to coach. Um, he came up to me and he was like, hey man, what you doing? And I knew him my whole life, but something about that game or him seeing me develop in the way I played in that game and the way I played in transition, he just liked it. You know, he just liked my pace. And he was like, um, L, let's do it. Try to come over to J. Wu. He brought me over to admissions um, that same week. I applied. I got in that same day. Um, and yeah, and that's how I ended up at Johnson Will. So shout out to um, Jamie Benton for taking the chance. Um, that's that's great, and it also must be a nice relief too to get know that you got into college at the same day that you applied, so you don't have that yeah, have yeah. that insufficient the wait anything. Where'd you major at, Jay? You were uh, were you a sports management major? I was an SEE major, so I uh, I majored in sports entertainment and event management. For everyone who doesn't know what that means, um, sports marketing. So a lot of the stuff I'm doing is just like naturally, and obviously I went to school for it. Uh, and obviously we'll get more into it, but that's how the Play for Peace tour came about. Um, just sports marketing. I studied everything and graduated. So it, it, it's better that it is going back to my community. That's awesome. That's great. And then what was your freshman year to play basketball? What's the adjustment like to play at the next level? Um, it was it was a big difference. Like there's a big perception that, oh, Division Three is Division Three. It's like super easy, you know, and in high school, I got to play against some big time names in my class, you know, like the Morris twins um, and a couple of other guys. I really don't remember, but I remember playing against some big ranked guys in my class. Um, so obviously I probably thought I could play division one and I could have played division one, but that didn't happen that way. So I'm the first division, my first division three game, I think I had nine turnovers um, against Salve Regina. 
So I thought it was going to be easy, um, it, but it wasn't easy. The game was like super fast. Everyone was stronger, you know what I mean? And it was a lot more IQ um, and thinking and knowledge of the game. So it was a huge learning experience. But the, the grateful thing is that as a freshman, um, there wasn't really anyone there with me. There wasn't really any seniors. So I got to learn through my mistakes. Um, I averaged 17 points, but I averaged about five turnovers, but the ball was in my hands a lot. And I accepted that challenge. Coach Benton was like super hard on me. Um, there was a guy, Jafet there. He was a graduating senior. So he stayed a year after the GA. So he like played me full court every single day in practice, teaching me. I remember not being able to get the ball over half court because at Central, I wasn't really like a point guard. I was more of a one, two. Yeah. Um, Nupa, Carl Mangum, he was more like the one. I played the two. I shot the ball. And um, so just learning that position, like a true PG to call a set, to get the play, to run a tempo, I didn't really understand that. Um, so it was a huge learning, like a huge learning experience for me. That That's crazy. Yeah, and I'm sure, like like you said, I think a lot of people don't take that D3. Like they just think anyone could walk on a D3, but basketball, that's a high level of basketball that you have to make an adjustment to. And for you to learn and now have those seniors and make that adjustment and grow your game is crazy. What's it like going into the next year for you? From my From my freshman year to my sophomore year? Yeah, yeah. Um, from my freshman year to my sophomore year, um, it was it was a bigger year. Like we had Lewis there, we had guys with more experience because my freshman year we lost like our first eleven games, yeah. I think, in a row. So it was it was a grind. So I worked my butt off that whole summer. Like lived in the gym, worked on my shot more. Um, my coach Kenny Bliss, he was like, "Man, you got to add the floater to your game." Like my freshman year, if you watched, I landed on the floor a lot. So I drove to the hole and I was like, always oh, going for layups, going for layups. Like guys would take charges on me over and over and over again. And I just keep, keep landing on my hand. I actually have like a move bone in my wrist. I didn't have to get surgery, but it just came from like landing on the floor a lot. Um, didn't have to move it, but that was one of the injuries that came with it. So I added the floater to my game and um, yeah, I went from like 17 points to 25 points a game and um, a lot more PT playing more and just becoming more of a leader um, and, and trying to win more. That's what my sophomore year was like. And then the, the final year is the year that you really like took another step level and added more to your game. And you became, you were the leading scorer in division three in the nation for, you had 30, 30 points, 30.7 points per game or something like, like that. Right. So my junior year, both years, I actually led the NCAA in scoring. A lot of people would just like uh, talk about my senior, I mean, my junior year, but both years I did. And then I give a, like a, a huge shout out to coach bliss. Um, my coach, Coach Benton, because he challenged me a lot. And even in the games, sometimes he would come up to me and there'd be like two minutes left in the game. And I might have 26 or 24 points, you know, and he'll instill into me to be like, yo, go get eight more points. He's not telling everybody that, but he's telling me that, you know, during the free throw, yo, keep playing. You know what I'm saying? And, and in practice, we would compete a lot. Like our practices were fierce. If you know Lou, who played at Hope, Hope, yep. Coach and I bloom over there. They like defense orientated, full court tough. So Lewis brought that same toughness over to Johnson and Wales. And um, his junior year, Calvin Jones, shout out to Camp Arrow with his like IQ and his football in the lane, you know. And Cal's like hard work. We put a we put a crazy team together, and the atmosphere every single day was just like. You had to be there, you know, like ripped jerseys, like, you know, we wanted to stay after practice to play some more, getting kicked out, living in the gym. And I and I spent like numerous hours, like more than anybody in the gym. I was uh if Johnson Wells at that time we had class at 7, 10 a.m. So yeah, I, I went to the gym before class 
You know, sometimes I would get to the gym at 5.45 a.m., um, go till 6.50, get on the bus, make it downtown for my 7.10, do my two classes, go eat, go back to the gym, one to three, um, have practice, get study hall in, and stay to the gym until six to nine. Like, and that was my schedule. And even when I went to college parties and stuff on Thursdays, like Friday morning, I was still the first guy in the gyms when in the mirrors was happening. Like I was on the court making sure like no one was using the main court. Um, yeah, so that was that was some of the stuff that came with at least leading the NCAA and scoring my junior year. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You put in all the work and the seven ten. I remember the seven ten classes. Oh my God. Those, those days <laughs> of getting up early, I used to commute. So yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing that you put in all that hard work and obviously showed off for everything that you were able to accomplish in your, in your career at Johnson Wales. And yeah. do you have like a, do you have a favorite game that really sticks out to you? Um, my favorite game is obviously probably going to be my 40, 20 game. Um, 40 points, 20 assists against like our rival who's Albertus Magnus. Yeah. One knows about that rivalry. Um, they come from New Haven, Connecticut, fierce team. It's usually Johnson and Wills or Albertus in the last at least 10 years playing for that GNAC championship. So, um, that was a huge game. Semifinals at home. It was good because Albertus, they took us out the year before and, um, it was just competitive when we pulled up to their games, me leading the NCAA and scoring, fans would be like waiting for me before the games. You know what I'm saying? Um, so just having to deal with that at their place and then them coming to us and us being able to win a championship, that was huge for us. Uh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and, and also against Alberta's Magnus, do you had a triple-double against them? Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know. 40, 10, 40. I have 40 points, 20 assists. I don't know how many rebounds I had. Um, yeah, that was a crazy game. That's that's crazy. I know <laughs> I thought I saw something. You had 47 and 10. I wasn't, I mean, 37 and 10 and 10. I was, I can't remember yeah, when I looked I mean, up this. I've had a, a lot of games. One of my craziest games and people who don't know this story. Um, it wasn't a good game, but it was it was a real game when I look back at it. So I had like NBA scouts coming to watch me play at Jay Wu. And um, before the game, Rich, Rich, who was my assistant coach at the time, but we played we played with each other when I was a sophomore. Sophomore year, he graduated. So my junior year, he was a GA coach. And um, so during the national anthem, He's like, oh, coach didn't want me to tell you this, but there's an NBA scout here to see you. And then like, yo, I shit my pants because <laughs> I, was, I was nervous. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know how to prepare for that moment and I didn't want to mess up. So um, that was a crazy game. I still played average though, you know, for the division three level. I think I was averaging 31 and I only had 27 that night. So I didn't even really play to my potential, but we got to talk after the game he told me I had the potential to be in the league. Um, we talked in the locker room. So, um, wow. yeah. That's crazy. What do, What team was it? That was the Raptors. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Now, when you finished your career at JWU and, like, you finished fourth all-time scorer in Division three, and what, what does that mean to you? And also, did you have any NBA workouts after you finished? Yeah. Um, I had I had an NBA workout after, but – um. I mean, at that time, it was I w it was all brand new to me, because like I said, no one around me was doing it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, like shout out to Jeff Xavier, shout out to Rockem Sanders. Those guys are a year or two older than me, but I didn't. I had a good relationship with Rockem, but Jeff, I really didn't. So we didn't really get to start talking until a few years until me playing pro. So it was kind of like I was failing myself a lot. You know what I mean? Like nobody could tell me nothing. I didn't know what level I was going or like what I was going to do, but I knew I was going to be a pro. Um, so it felt good. It didn't really hit me like, yo, that I averaged that many points till years <laughs> later, you know, and you get kids starting to try to chase my average or think they're going to do what I did. You know what I'm saying? So it's fun to see it and it's possible, but it's, it's a tough journey to be able to get that many points in college. So, to look back at it and be like, man, 
after all these years of college basketball and basketball in general, um, to score that many points and do something like this, like that name's gonna stay there forever. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I don't, anyone's gonna take it down. I feel that way, but you know, history is to be broken. Numbers will be put up there to be broken, but I just don't think at J. Wu anyone's ever gonna break those points. Yeah, um, it, it was ridiculous. I'm like, I know we talked before this, but like I said, I was when I would check on the box scores or come see a game or. I just remember looking at the box and I'd be like, man, this is like, I would always like, I was keeping up with your games because I started noticing the numbers you were putting up. And I was like, you put up another 37 point game or like another 40 point. Like, this is ridiculous. And I know we said this too. Like, if you had the social media, what it is today, like that, yeah. your the recognition and the craziness, like that you would have at your games, it would be wild. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So I had, um, I tried out, so after I finished my senior year, um, well, after the college season ended, on my April April vacation, I was down in um, Georgia visiting my dad, and then we went down to Florida. I was just on a little vacation, you know? Yeah. I got a call from my agent right after college I signed. So um, for people who don't know anything like about basketball, just think because you're a Division three player, which you can't do. So I signed with like Pro Partner Sports Management, um, a huge agency out of Boston. A lot of NBA players signed with them, um, Frank Catapano. So I was signed with him, the same agent as Chris Heron, um, senior. So he's the one actually who set up that, that connection when I worked out with him when I was finished playing at J.W.U. So I was signed with him and um, I was down in Florida they called me to come try out for the Celtics D League team. And um, so I, I tried out for the Celtics D League team. That was the, in 2012 when I, I was still in college at the time before I graduated. Um, it went well. There's a lot of politics that comes with basketball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But I played well. Honestly, I think I was one of the best guards out there, scoring, playmaking wise. Um, obviously my size and built might give people a perception or you know, obviously you do have to be strong in the NBA. Um, but yeah, and then a few years later after that, I tried out for the Airy Bayhawks, which is the Orlando Magic D-League team. I had like a personal workout with them in Airy, Pennsylvania. So I drove like 13 hours from here, from Providence, <laughs> Airy. And that was also a good learning experience. Felt like I played well, but just didn't know what to prepare for. And a lot of this time, no one has been here like pushing me through this. Don't get me wrong, like family has been here for me. You know what I'm saying? But as far as rebounding for me or someone pushing me or working out with me, I got like my OGs who inspired me and taught me the game. You know, Corey Brown, Juan Carter, all my old coaches, Ty Dale, Mike, um, Mike Stevens. Um, but as far as like putting in that work, 6 a.m., running down Broad Street or running from North Providence to South Side by yourself, like that was me. Wow. Um, and then even coming out of college, the same thing. Like there was nobody with me to be like, yo, let's get in the gym or let's rebound. Um, get, actually shout out to my big bro, Justin Adams over at the Fitness Factory. Um, Cause he pushed me a lot with the weight room and just trying to guide me through. But in that gym and just like a pusher, a motivator, like there is now, like the Camp Arrows and the play for Peace Tours, there was really none of that going on. So, um, yeah. Wow, that that's that's crazy. Where that drive come from? Like, you just did you know, like personally for yourself, that you had to outwork everyone, or like what? Where did the drive all come from for you to do all this? I think a little bit of everything: the environment, um, the stories of Providence, and like the shoulda, woulda, coulda beens, um, the doubters, you know what I'm saying? Um, so it's a mixture of things. It's a mixture of things. Like just growing up with an environment. And then now I'm at a point where like I, and we'll get into it, I guess, but um, you know, I lived it a little more and I experienced it. So that's where the drive comes from now with the giving back. But um, the plan, and the, the trying to make it to the top, that just came from giving my all, being doubted when I was younger, um, just not waiting. Just, I can wake up today and wanna go run five miles and that's just 
what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And and I saw your your hoodie says all hustle, no luck. And I yeah. think that that's like a true testament of who you are as a person and everything. Yeah. Is that your brand as well, too? Or this is the play for peace tour. I usually uh, with my own stuff, usually with like a dope message on it. Yeah. Positive message. But I really feel this way about not even my basketball career, but more so my brand. Yeah. Like it's all in all, me, myself, my brand. Um, just putting in a lot of work, a lot of hustle, a lot of time, a lot of effort, sleepless nights, you know what I'm saying? Um, just visioning things, seeing things and going after them. Yeah. Like when I went in Johnson Wales, I felt like I was going to be a pro as a freshman. And I went into like getting in my physical. I remember it was like a whole line, like that first physical, every sports athlete has to get. Yeah. And I walked in there, cut everybody. And I'm like, yo, like I should be at Duke. You know, and I like said that I remember like, so cocky, like, yeah, I should be at Duke. Like, what am I doing here? And people are looking at me like, yo, who is this kid? You know, but like, that was the kind of the attitude I had. And um, I mean, I my attitude kind of got me into some trouble too. I got like, um, I got kicked off the team my freshman year at J.W.U. during wow. the playoffs. I forgot about that. But yeah, I was just like, I was a super cocky guy. You know what I mean? And and coach had to teach me the hard way, you know, so I had to watch my team lose in the GNAC playoffs. Oh, personally, yeah. That's that's tough. And that's a life lesson in itself, too, right there. Like, how did you, like, take that and just learn from that situation? It was tough. It made me hungry. At the time, I'm like, man, I'm going to show him. I'm gonna, I'm leaving this school. I'm out of here. I'm going to go somewhere else. But, you know, after talking to him and really realizing, like, there's a, a, a right way to live, um, yeah, I learned a lot from day-to-day lessons. I love it. I love it. Uh, and you played overseas. I mean, played professional basketball. Now you're playing overseas. What's yeah. been your experience playing overseas and having that experience? I mean, it's been a great one. Um, I learned a lot, a yeah. lot um, on, off the court, about myself, about the game. Um, you know, spent 10 years, really nine years in Europe before this COVID playing at all levels, coming from a D3 player to playing in the top leagues. Um, yeah. It really doesn't get better. Once you get over there, there's really no perception or no like, oh, this guy played at Johnson Wales. Like once you're in the door, you you play against everyone and people don't probably don't know that, you know? So I started in Germany. I played originally in Germany my first year. Um, Germany Pro B um, in a city called Wolfenbüttel. Very small town, <laughs> very cold. Yeah, but it, it was dope. And I got homesick my first year. Um, I didn't sign until December. So meaning, and this is for a lot of players out there listening, don't give up or don't, don't be out of shape. I graduated college in May and I didn't sign my first deal until December. And I tried out for an NBA team that summer. You know what I mean? I was signed with an NBA agency but I still had to stay in shape and I still kept believing I was going to go play. And I, believed, and I believed in myself so much that I paid for my first ticket to go overseas, wow. you know? So yeah. even, even though it was a paid deal and the contract was, you know, I was paid when I got there, but I still had to prove myself, you know? So I paid my flight that made the difference maybe between me and 10 other point guards going up for that job. And um, I did that my first three or four games, I probably only played about 12 minutes. Um, they're super raw in Germany and direct. The president came up to me. He's like, Lamont, the coach tells me you make every shot in practice, but in the game, you're not making nothing. You know, <laughs> but, but I wasn't comfortable because I was hardly playing. You know, I'm playing like 10, 11 minutes. Yeah, yeah. We lost like all four games. So he's like, if you can't score or play well, you got to go home. You know, like. <laughs> My fifth game there, I've only been there like four weeks. Um, we lost that game. A lot of people don't know this story. And I um, I packed all my stuff up. Mind you, I paid for my own ticket home. I mean, to get to Europe. Now it was Christmas time because I signed in December, the first week of December. We played four games and we had a New Year's break. 
I asked everyone home, like my parents, my uncles, hey, you guys want to give me Christmas money? I'm going to buy a ticket home for Christmas. After only being there four weeks, they gave me the money. I bought my ticket home. I was like, yo, I'm not going back over there. Like, I hate it. I'm not playing. Like, it's cold. I just don't like it. I'm homesick, you know? And when I got home, I saw everyone that I knew. And it was like, Lamont, like, I thought you were overseas playing. Why are you home? You know, and I probably saw 200 people and they asked me that same question. And that was my motivation to go back over and play. And I went back over and played. My team lost the fifth game in a row. And then the sixth game that that coach started me, I had 27 points against the top team in the league. Um, and then from there, I became a starter. Um, yeah, and and that was it. And, and, that, and then that league at the time, Dennis Schroeder was in my league. So I wow. played in the same league as Dennis Schroeder. He was from... Um, Braunschweig, Germany, which is about 10 minutes from where I played. Yeah, That was actually like our rivalry. So the first year they blew us out, but I didn't really get to play. So then the second year I signed back to the same team um, with a new coach and I was the, and I was the leading scorer in that league. So wow. I averaged um, 27 points a game and um, one of my best games ever, I had 54 points on 78% shooting from the field. Um, yeah, and at that time, not knowing, I was looking for money, you know? So this is kind of a story. I'm staying my story, but I want players to learn from, from what I went through. I was chasing money when I got out of school and um, being the leading scorer in, the, in a very respected league, instead of staying in that league, um, I left that league. And probably with about five or six games before the team could decide if they were going to make the playoffs or not, but it was too late for them to sign another player because the deadline was passed. So they needed me. And I left that team and they didn't make the playoffs. So I kind of banished my name in Germany as being the top player. But if you don't show loyalty in Europe, sometimes that can hurt you. So I left Europe and I went to Qatar. Um, Qatar has a lot of money, but the basketball there is super tough. And I got there after paying to get off my team. So I paid $2,000 to get off my team in Germany. And um, I got to Qatar. I practiced one time. And the coach pretty much told me he didn't think I was the guy for the team. So, um, yeah. After being the top player in Germany, um, I just went to Qatar and, and ruined everything I just worked for that fast, chasing money. And the money was coming in Germany, you know? I just had to wait a, a couple of months yeah, or play the next season. You know, a high deal was gonna come, but I really didn't know. And I was kind of working behind my agents back at the time, you know, looking for some more money on some more different kinds of deals. Um, so that's for, the, that's for the players coming out of school. Um, just stay down. If you get in the door, you have a great chance. You know what I'm saying? There's guys like me and other guys who've experienced it who can tell you and give you the steps on what it takes to have a successful career. Um, so when that happened, I, I, me and my agency departed, you know, because things didn't work out and they were kind of upset that I went and worked on that deal. So um, I was home just working out again. And then that following season, an agent called me from Spain. Um, this is all direct. You know, now that I got my foot in the door, an agent called me and he was like, hey, man, you want to come play in Madrid? Um, it's called Ebba League. I'm like, yeah, Spain, why not? Yeah. Once again, no one around me to tell me anything. You know, I'm kind of just making my own decisions. And um, at that time, I got to Spain. I played in the city called Alcacón, which is right outside of Madrid. It's the closest city to Madrid. So when I got there, I heard of this name. You know what the name was? Everyone talked about Luka Doncic. Oh, geez. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm 23 years old playing in Madrid, and I hear Luka Doncic. Hey, this is the best player coming out of Spain. You know, he played in the same league as me. Oh, my you God. Know what I'm saying? So Spain, Ebba League. So I played against Luka Doncic probably two, two or three times um, while being in Spain. My first game, I probably had 30-plus points, you know, but it wasn't an official game. It was like um a scrimmage during the Christmas holiday and then the second game Real Madrid beat us um 
he was only obviously like 17 at the time, but yeah. um, yeah. So just to say that, you know, playing these kind of respected leagues or where the next players come from. Um, so I was the leading scorer in that league too. Um, I averaged, what I don't know, 28 during that season. Oh my God. Um, so I played there and then instead of going to a higher league, but my team was terrible. So that yeah, I, I played in Alcacone against Luca. My team was terrible. <laughs> that, was, that was the leading scorer. So in Europe, teams want to win. Yeah. You know? So now the best team in that league, they wanted to sign me. They were like, hey, we want to win a championship. You know, I'll help your resume out. Other agents are telling me, man, you got to win. You know, winning, if you score 30, but you lose, it's hard. You know, score yeah. 10 and win, you know, like you'll get more money. So I was like, all right, I'll sign here. So I signed there after averaging 25 plus my pro career. My coach is like, here, you average 10.6 assists. You know, you're a point guard, but you'll win. Trust me. I was like, all right. I learned from him a lot. You know, he started taking me out for shots that I thought was good. But he's like, man, listen, at this level, my coach coached on the Spanish national team. So he's like, that's a bad shot. You know, someone's in your face. You don't take that shot. There's a better shot. You know, like you're a point guard. So I started to understand the game more. That year I led the team to a championship. Wow. We won the championship. Um, I didn't average 25, but we won it, you know, yeah. start point guard. Um, so we moved up in leagues. So in Europe, if you win a championship, you get to move up in leagues. I did that. Um, I led the league in assists. So now that my coach told me no scoring, yeah. I don't lead the league in assists, you know. Now I'm like averaging 15, six assists, four rebounds, which are like great numbers in Europe for PG. And um, get like top five imports of the year that year and led silver in Spain. And then kind of from there, I went on and played in Portugal. Um, played in Portugal first division. So now I'm like top league, top league playing against Benfica, Porto, like EuroLeague. I mean, not EuroLeague, but Euro Cup teams. Um, top of the top. My team wasn't the best team, so we didn't have like the highest budget, but now I get to play against guys who are getting 50K a month and, you know, played at Baylor, Indiana, wherever you can think. Yeah. So in those kinds of leagues coming from a small D3, and now you're coming from like, yo, my team's not getting paid what they're getting paid. Yeah. So I got to prove my, I got to prove my point to these kinds of teams, you know? So in that league, I was a top five scorer in the league, top five in assists, and you got guys like, the leading scorer at Baylor, all-time leading scorer in Baylor history. I averaged more points than him. Like guys from Indiana, University of Florida, like the biggest schools you can think of, you know, like I led most points, I mean, scoring in a lot of these guys. Um, so I played there in Portugal on a team called Bajarentes. That was a great experience. I lived in the center of Lisbon. You can't ask for a better place to live um, on a day-to-day -day basis, right on the water, amazing food, amazing culture. Um, and then just being by myself, I kind of was like, Hey, I always loved the N one tour. So I was like, man, I got a lot of time on my hands overseas. A lot of guys like play video games, some guys, whatever they do. I wanted to figure out business and how I can give back home. So I was like, let me create the play for peace tour. So I'm over there working on basketball, I have a lot of free times. I start making calls about home, trying to plan this like huge event for the summertime. Um, trying to call some guys who all play pro to come home in the summer to Providence and play in a huge game. And, yeah. Yeah. That's, that was, first of all, that's an amazing journey and everything. And I love your message to the kids. Like, you know, if you're going to go play overseas, stay down, like buckle down, don't let it, let it come to you. And then, uh, and that's awesome. So like the play for peace tour, how did you, we'll go right into that. Like, how did you come up with that? Cause that's like a big thing here. And like, where, where did that all start? Like where did the, the thought come from? Um, once again, a little bit of everything. Um, really cause I lost a lot of friends through peer pressure. Once again, through the, the environment that we, we grew up in or that I grew up in. I just lost a lot of friends through violence. I almost lost my life, you know, through violence. I got jumped in high school and um, I woke up in unconscious, you know what I'm saying, in the hospital. Yeah. So that could have been me and one of my teammates could have been playing overseas. 
So now that I kind of had the platform and the brand or the guy to go and play at this level, I was like, I'm going to use it to get more kids to play at this level. You know, I'm going to call, let me call everybody who's played at URI or PC or who I met in Portugal. Let me see if they're willing to come to Providence for a summer for a day and talk about what it takes to make it, you know, and some of the stuff they went through. And it just made sense, you know, peace and um, just people finding peace and basketball bringing peace to a lot of people's lives. So that's kind of where Play for Peace came about, kind of like and one tour, but like more inspirational. I, I love it. I think it's I think it's awesome that you do that. And then this year, I know I saw you like travel too, right? You played yep. you traveled to Play for Peace. So where, where would you guys go this year? Um, well, we did it in Maryland, obviously because of the pandemic. It's hard, but we still got to do it in Maryland. Um, we've done it in Virginia, Chicago. Um, going to do it in New Jersey in January. Um, where else? Atlanta. Done it in Connecticut. Just did it in well, New Britain. We did it in Massachusetts at Emmanuel College. Um, we just introduced it in Madrid, Spain during the pandemic, but hopefully we can grow and bring that culture, you know, out there. They don't really have, like, they don't do a lot of five-on-five, five, like, big, huge basketball events. They do a lot of three-on-three three basketball. So my goal is to try to bring that American culture and feel to over to Spain in the summertime. That's that's really cool. And who and this year, you did Play for Peace Tour. You did it here also in Rhode Island, yep. uh, in Providence. Who, like, who are the big, you know, the guys from Rhode Island that played in that tour? Um, I mean, this year, I mean, we got some guys. I had a guy, Unique McLean, come down. He played in the NCAA dunk contest. Um, he's over in, I think, Slovakia playing right now. So I had two guys from St. Francis. It's always good to see some guys from home come back and play. Will Tavares, um, like a big URI name, giving back to the community with demand all access. Um, Keelan Ives came back and performed. Got like Ricky Lito in the gym, David Duke in the gym, Xavier Mumford in the gym, LaDonte Hinton in the gym. So you're getting like a lot of big Providence names to be there. Um, so you get to see these kids because if we're going all year, nine months out of the year playing, the kids who are looking up to us don't even really get to see us in person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's just awesome that you guys did that and you're able to get that, like those, those group of guys, those big names all together, especially here in Rhode Island. And I think that's just amazing. What, what, like I said, what you do and like the, you know, get those pros and get that message across to the kids and then just not here in Rhode Island, but across the States. <laughs> What's uh, are you going to try to go uh, like out West to the play for peace tour? hundred percent working yeah. on it now. Hopefully we can do either next year, like a play for peace, East coast versus West coast game where, where we fly probably like 12 players from the East coast to the West coast and they'll play against, um, the top high school kids on the West coast. So we're working on that. I love it. I love it. And now what else you're working on? Because I know you're, you're a big entrepreneur and, and you have uh, like some great things going on. What, what's, what else you have going on? I know you have your, what well, you have your grain, right? What the Tef? Yeah. Yep. So I um, recently started a granola bar company. It's called what the Tef. Um, for anyone who hasn't heard of Brown Tef, it's the smallest grain in the world. One of the most beneficial grains in the world gives you protein, iron, zinc, magnesium, calcium, potassium. Um, it originates in Ethiopia. And they say Ethiopians are the long, uh, best long distance runners in the world because of the grain. Well, one of the assets, or one of the reasons why, um, because it has a dietary fiber, so it digests slow. So meaning like, if you ate protein and we both ate five grams of protein, but I had five grams of TEF, my TEF is gonna last longer. My protein is gonna last longer in my body than the regular five grams of protein you eat. So um, yeah, I'm a true believer in the grain. I, I ate it first. It looks like sand. So I would cook it before my games and I would bring like cold oatmeal with me to my games in Europe. And um, I really believed in it. Travel with cold oatmeal eight hours, 10 hours and 20 minutes before my, grain, my game, I, I made sure to eat Tef. And um, it helps you recover, just gives your body everything it needs. So. It happened so passionately. I was like, man, I got to tell everyone about this grain. That's that's so cool. How'd you come across it? Like, how'd you find out about it? Um, I was working a camp down in Atlanta. It's called Runner Report. And um, 
he pretty much uh, started a camp to, to find the next NBA players in, in middle school. You know, like he, he finds them early and he was a vegan and he does a lot of research on the game of basketball and history. He reads a lot and he wanted to know like what Aztec warriors ate, what Ethiopians ate, you know, to be the only country in Africa to never be conquered. Um, so, and he, he, he did his research on Tef and he told me about it. I'm big on what you put into your body. That's yeah. something to do with how you perform. Um, so I tried it out. And not only did I see the difference and feel the difference in two days, but my teammates recognized the difference in me, um, not being superstitious. So I was like, this thing is real. Um, it's a real thing. And I see it with people who take it around me. Real testimonials on the website from real people, no one paid. Um, people who buy it and, and tell me that they feel different before their workouts and things like that. Um, so I'm happy with the product. My guy, Jeffrey Salazar makes it. He won a show on Food Network, Chopped. Yep. He cooks for Cole Anthony too at times. So um, yeah. That's awesome. Where can we get, where can I like buy What The Tef or where can the listeners buy What The Tef? Um, you can order, order it online, whatthetef.com right now. Um, also have it in a gas station on Smith Street, closest to the State House in Providence, called Gecko Gas Station. Um, there's a spot P and Q's owned by Kobe Dennis, so it's right in that gas station on the left side when you walk inside. And then we have it on Southside Smoothie in Providence, um, and we're just working. And we have it at like local gyms, a lot of local owned gyms like the Fitness Factory, Fitness Sanctuary, um, Fit First Rhode Island. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely have to try some. Hopefully it'll help my uh, workouts and uh, that'd be great. Definitely. Uh, besides that, I'm opening a cafe. Yeah. So it's almost done. Um, should be open in about two or three weeks. The cafe is called Hall of Fame. And um, pretty pretty much says this thing right there, Hall of Fame. Inducting a lot of Rhode Island athletes who've excelled in sports into our Hall of Fame, community leaders, leaders of coach of the culture. I'm um, gonna have a lot of positive events, private dinners, um, educational events, financial literacy. And then we're just teaching health, like fresh pressed juices. And in Europe, you know, everything is so fresh. Yeah. And I've come back to America and literally I'm like sick because I can't digest certain foods and I can't eat certain things. So um, just trying to teach health more, honestly. That's, that's great. I think that's amazing. It's just so awesome what you do. And like, you're such an inspiration and in the entrepreneurship and like, this really shows anyone that I, especially in Rhode Island, I know all the basketball players and like, even just the kids, like you can come from anywhere and you, as long as you work hard and you put your mind to it, you can be successful at it. And you're, you're that true story of what it is. Like you can be, you can go play division three basketball and go play pro basketball overseas and you can go get your entrepreneurships and create, like do what you're doing. And this is awesome. It's, it's, you're just, it's, it's so cool to speak to you and like hear these stories. It's awesome. Yep. Yeah, man. It feels good to be able to like go and, and, and make it, you know, like not to like whatever, like to make it, you know, it feels good. There's a, it's a certain feeling you get when you know you made it and you have options and you can go play or you can not to go decide to play and you're not competing with, every, with anyone. Like in RI, we still, a lot of guys are still competing with each other. A lot of the college players or whoever's at the pro level, like we have a mentality like, oh, I'm better than him. And I get it because that's the winning mentality. Yeah. When guys are going to separate schools, right? And like, we're not in competition. You know what I mean? Like. I'm not in competition with you because I'm trying to become a pro and you're trying to become a pro, you know? So we just kind of got to uplift each other more instead of like, and then we get to a level and I feel like some kids around here start to feel themselves a little too much or like lose their humbleness now that they've tasted success a little bit, you know? And then you get guys like me, Ricky Lito, Rakim Sanders, like Jeff Xavier, Shane DeRosa, like who've actually experienced it at like the highest level and know what it feels like to like travel for free, get paid for it, like be at the best beaches, eat at the top restaurants in the world. Like 
the best piece of steak you could ever eat in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. on a daily basis, like we know what that really feels like. We're not fronting it, you know what I mean? And we're not like in competition. We just trying to show more kids like what it takes to make it. And then when y'all make it, hopefully you guys can do the same thing. And that's how like we can grow as being known as the basketball state. Like that's what I'm into. Rhode Island has to be known. Like I don't, I'm sick of going places like Long Island. Like yeah, no, yeah. not Long Island, like Providence, Rhode Island. Like we have hoopers there. Coaches can come here. We respect the game here. We know what it takes to make it here. And you know what I'm saying? Have a successful career. Not like score 25 points, taste a little success and ruin the opportunity for the next guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I fully agree. I, I'm right there with you. I, it drives me nuts when I tell people where I'm from and they're like, oh, you're part of, like you just said, of Long Island. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm in Rhode Island. It's my own state. Like some people don't even know where Rhode Island is. And it, it, it drives me nuts. And I think that was the, not like for the point of my podcast to get the kids the exposure that they deserve the exposure Definitely. that what they have. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's important. And someone that like you and Jeff uh, and what you guys do and all, all the guys that you mentioned, I think is just a, another level top notch. And that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's been a great experience. And I'm super happy. Like when I graduated in 2008 from high school, you didn't see a lot of guys going to college. So you see the, like the evolution right in front of our eyes. I, I get to witness it firsthand. Um, I'm happy to see it, to be able to play pro, like, and then see a lot of guys come under us and not even really know where they're headed or know um, what it takes to make it or know really this was a plan. You know, someone planned kind of where you're at. You know, it's not like luck, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like luck to make it to the NBA. It is yeah. luck to make it to the NBA. You know, like timing, patience, you know, like perfect timing with that. But like to get a division one scholarship is not luck, you know, like, it's a recipe and like guys are making it out. My brother played division one. Um, he coaches at New Hampton. Um, Sebastian Thomas, he's playing division one. Um, you get a lot of kids who come up in the gym with me um, going to college. And I'm super confident in ones who are in eighth grade and seventh grade right now, who I know are gonna be division one players. And some of their parents might not even, even know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for sure. What's it? It's it's great. It's great. Um, it's awesome that you uh, have that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. You can. Yeah. And what's it like too? like seeing Sebastian go play at URI? I'm like so excited for him. He's such a great, he's a great kid. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, I'm really happy that he's going to be challenged and like pushed to another level and reach his full potential. You know, he has like so much potential tapping into once he adds like the deep three ball to his game, like his feel for the game, you can't like, that's come from years and years of practice. He has like a crazy feel, he has a crazy speed, his transition. Once he like starts to talk more and be more of a vocal leader, you know, and his motor like be on 100% all the time, um, he's gonna be crazy, you know, like he can stay healthy, I think he's gonna he's gonna make some noise and let the world be known who like Sebastian Thomas is, even at um, a school like URI, you know, because he feels like he's an underdog still. He's not playing at the highest level of Division One, you know. He's not at PC, but as long as you're in the door, you can make noise, and he's gonna help URI win. He's gonna lead, and um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I, I am too. He's such a great kid and I'm excited to see him, uh, you know, play at that next level. And I, I just, you know, he's a great basketball player and just seeing his, watching his games, watching his RI elite games and seeing what he's been able to do with them and then see everything that he was, the, the stats he's putting out. It's just, yeah, I'm excited. And like you said, there's going to be some great things coming, coming from him in the future and helping out URI big time. Um. But uh, I, I got uh, just a couple more questions. They're just more for fun, just to, yep. for more. I get to know you outside of the entrepreneurship and uh, the basketball stuff. I want to know, uh, it seems like you're a big foodie from your Instagram page. Yeah. What, what, what's your favorite food? And, uh, you know, and what was your favorite place to travel in Europe? <laughs> My favorite food is going to be tough. 
Um, if I had to name one, I'd go with Senegalese food. So in Madrid, I'm actually Liberian. You know, I grew up like eating Liberian food. Yeah. Um, but I've I learned about Senegalese people in the country, Senegal, after being in Madrid. Um, Senegal is one of the closest countries in the north. I mean, closest countries to Spain, um, in Africa, right next to Morocco, to Senegal, where Akon comes from, and the food is just like amazing. If you ever visit Madrid, like you go to the Lava PS area, it's the center of Madrid, and um, there's just a huge African community, and you can get like the best meal for 10 bucks. Like so traditional Senegalese food, it's amazing. And then um, as far as favorite country to visit, I would say Portugal, um, Lisbon, definitely. There or Santander, Spain, which is like the north of Spain, Santander Bank, the same as Santander Bank. Yeah. Super nice, um, like luxurious, super calm. Seafood is amazing. Um, so those two places, but I love Lisbon because you get like city and water without having to get in a car. You can walk um, and you can get great views because it's like a lot of hills and steps. So um, I love Lisbon. That's that's awesome. And then uh, last question, uh, I usually ask everyone this, favorite thing to do outside of basketball and your entrepreneurship? Um, favorite thing to do? Um, I mean, I'm a huge motivator. <laughs> Like, even when I'm not working, if I'm just, like, on the phone with someone or a person in my circle, it's like I'm the person always trying to motivate a person to be better and not be content. Um, I'm I'm actually starting to tap into an old passion, which is art. Nice. These paintings behind me right here, I did just for fun. Oh, um, that's awesome. It was something I, like, loved to do when I was a kid these clothes I designed. So um, just for fun, but I designed this stuff. And um, I would say talk to my grandmother. That's one of my favorite things to do. My grandmother lives in Atlanta. Um, she lived in Providence my whole life and she lived down there. So when we get to talk, that's one of my like peaceful moments too. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. And that, that's just amazing. Well, uh, Lamont, this has been a lot of fun. And honestly, as you speak with motivating, like you're really motivating to speak to as well. Like I'm motivated to go out and do more and make myself better as well too. So just hearing you talk makes me want to do like more. And I feel like I'm not doing enough to, like from just hearing you talk. So uh, more. I learned that today in my entrepreneurship course There's oh, we could always do a little more. It's, it's, it's true. It is true. And I just speaking with you, I just, I just, I felt that. So uh, this has been a lot of fun. We will definitely do this again for sure. Uh, and thank you so much for what you do for Rhode Island. And I greatly appreciate it. And, you know, thank you so much for what we do for the kids out there as well, too. The platform for Rhode Island. We need it. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. Anytime, anytime. All right, Lamont, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Peace. All right. That was my interview with Lamont. I really enjoyed that conversation with Lamont Thomas. Great guy. It's super inspirational. He's always looking to do better, always looking to help out the community. So just that was just an awesome interview with him. I really enjoyed our conversation. Can't wait to speak with him again as he continues to do what he's doing and just being such an inspiration to us here in Rhode Island and the kids, what he does for the kids in Rhode Island is just awesome in the community back in Providence and here. So great, great interview with him. Really enjoyed our conversation together. For next week, uh, be on the lookout for another episode. Uh, we're kind of doing a week by week. Before we used to do some pre-recordings and then a week before and I get them out the next week. I'm taking a different approach to it this year where I'm just doing the recordings during that week and getting the episode out a couple days later. Um, I feel like it's best because it's up to date more up the date with everything so it's been going really well some bigger news as well coming out on our front as well too so be on the lookout for that but i hope you guys have a great friday and a safe weekend and we'll see you next friday have a good one guys